right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate's level veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey, Erin. How's it going? Good. So we're doing a very special episode. Mm-hmm. We're reviewing The Hating Game book adaptation mm-hmm. that just came out in a few theaters in 10 theaters but mostly on vod and that's where we watched it we both watched it on vod uh-huh. and we had this conversation that was cut out of what it was the last podcast we did because you were excited this movie was coming out you said december 10th it's coming out and i said is it because i had gotten no information about this had not seen this mm-hmm. anywhere and it turns out you were correct but it was not a wide release, yeah. which is crazy because we put up an Instagram post. Well, you put up an Instagram post mm-hmm. that you were watching this movie and people went nuts. And we see a lot of our, our listeners rush to their iTunes or Fandango, their Amazon, whatever, to rent this film and watch it multiple times. Mm-hmm. So... Why was this movie not put out in even a thousand theaters? Why in New York City? New York City. Was this only in one theater in Williamsburg? Yeah. It's very strange because I feel like this... Well, first things first. It was a good movie. Because when I saw that it was only getting VOD and released in such a small amount of theaters, I was like, oh no, it's bad. And they're dumping it. Mm. And that is not the case because I have watched it myself like three times because I did like the 48 hour rental and I just like kept putting it on because it was was really charming and it was really good and a really well done adaptation. And I just find it so bizarre that it, it has such a built in audience. I mean, that's why so many things in Hollywood now are like based on IP because you want the audience there. Mm -hmm. And it, it just seems like such a fumbling of the bag to not... I mean, have it in both, sure, but it's so strange to me that it wasn't a wider release because I think people would have gone to see it. Like, I was planning on seeing it in the theater, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's only that I don't go to Williamsburg <laughs> that I was like, I'm not, okay, well, then maybe not so much. I think they still don't understand the power of romance and the romance public, the fans, because I agree. I thought this was a really I liked it a lot. There were things mm-hmm. I didn't like, but for a adaptation, I thought they did an excellent job. It was obviously a pretty low budget movie. You we, you could tell by watching it, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But I think the leads, especially Austin Stowell, is that how you say mm-hmm. his name? Who played Joshua was excellent. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy is a fucking hunk. He is such a perfect romance novel hero. Yes. Like, he's so handsome, but he has that, like, charming swagger, too. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something about him that's so, um, that, that's so, like, appealing. In a way that, like, sometimes you have these, like, Hollywood hunks and they just feel kind of, like, empty and hollow. Like, he doesn't. Like, you believe everything he's doing. He's 
obviously the hunkiest of the hunks, but like is is also a very talented actor, but you really believe Josh Templeman would be somebody like running a a publishing company. And he's not, he's not a pretty boy. There's so many actors nowadays you see that try to become leads. And a lot of the issue is that they have, they, they're all smoothed out. Mm -hmm. This guy has, he's, of course he's insanely handsome, but he also has a level of ruggedness that is not seen a lot in mainstream films. A hundred percent. Like, I feel like you could see this guy coming over and like hanging some some shelves for you that you haven't had the time to put up and just Mm -hmm. going to it. He can do tasks. (laughs) Exactly. He could work out in his mind how to make something happen. And that's very sexy. And that's something that I think, yeah, a lot of Ansel Egelhort would not offer to hang your shelves for you. And that's just a fact. Exactly. That's that's the kind of leading man that we're stuck with now. This guy was the perfect sort of lead to really anchor me in this movie. Now, Lucy Hale, who plays Lucy, I liked her fine. I didn't like her as much as I liked Austin, but I do think she did a, a, a good job. Oh, I thought she was really charming because I only knew her from... Like Pretty Little Liars, um, and a few things like that, where I was like less than impressed with her acting ability. And I thought here she was really good and really, yeah, really charming. I re- I liked them both. I thought that they were both really great, and I thought that she really embodied like just a frenetic energy of Lucy. And I think that there's an aspect of Lucy that is like so incredibly dense because especially as you watch the movie, you're like, oh yeah, Josh was definitely in love with her the whole time, but. At no point did I think she was stupid for not knowing. I, like, understood why that was, like, a mental block for her. Yes. You know? Like, I thought she played that really, really well. Like, a level of self-centeredness and a level of um, naivete. Yeah. I don't know. I really thought she was excellent in it. I thought she was, like, very well cast. I think they had great chemistry. Yes. Which is, like, bring back chemistry. My God. It's, like, I just want to watch two people who I... Whether or not in real life they are friends or they don't speak to each other, I do not give a fuck. But, like, I, in the movie, I need to think they want to rip each other's clothes off in a way that, like, is so rare nowadays. It's so rare that you have raw sexual tension between two actors in a movie where they're supposed to have sexual tension. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's rare to have sexuality in a movie at all. Yes. Yeah, but this that was the other thing I liked about this movie. Like, there was sex, and there was talking about sex and orgasms. It was a rom-com for a grown-ups in a mm-hmm. way that was sexy, but not raunchy. Because I feel like anytime you have a rom-com and it's like, no, it, there's sex in it, it, it ends up being, like, kind of gross sex. Mm-hmm. Where this was, like, sexy sex. Like, early in the movie, she has a sex dream about Josh, and I'm like... once I saw that scene, I was like, okay, great. We're in good hands because like that was like very sensual and sexy in a real way. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Because that was the scene too, where I thought, okay, yeah, this, this could be something, this could be something where they are really serving the material correctly. And in a good way. And and I think they did. And I, I do think that, I mean, when when he 
when he gets naked in front of her. Yeah. See, we see buns. We see buns. And I thought, oh, this is great. I mean, listen, would have loved to have seen Peen. Not going to happen. I knew it. No, I think but, that I don't think that that's necessary. <laughs> I don't I didn't think it's necessary. It's just it would have been cool. But uh-huh. obviously it's not that kind of movie. But it, it, it I mean, she definitely saw the peen. And that's all we needed to know is like, oh, oh, my God. Based gosh, on her right? reaction, it was a good one. Perfect. And yeah, and I thought, yeah, it wasn't, you know, obviously you can't show sex the way you can show in a, in a, in a you can show in a book. But I think they did do such a good job of making these things heated. Like when they kiss in the elevator the first time, it's really sexy. And yeah, it, it. I think they did a really good job with taking this book, which I think this book was really tailor-made to be made into this type of film. And they didn't drop the ball in that sense. I think they did a, an excellent job. Oh, well, I think the other thing that I really liked about this adaptation, it was like a very true to story adaptation. It felt like obviously no adaptation is going to be exactly like the book, but it really felt like it was in the same spirit. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like a pretty quiet book where like not a lot happens. And and there was something I really liked about this being the one that gets at, a, at an adaptation because it's like it is just like a simple story and it was just done well with talented actors and you said it was low budget I don't know if that's like that it was low budget or that it was shot in 2020 and so it's like I'm sure they were under a ton of restrictions because I didn't even realize this was being shot in New York I thought it was shot for some reason I this entire time assumed it was being shot in Australia for I don't know what reason I thought that but why why Australia I think as a book takes place in Australia. And so there was a part of me that was just like, oh, yeah. So they'll film it in Australia. Knowing if anything, well, like, they Lucy probably Hale shot, is not Australia. Yeah. If anything, they probably shot most of this in Vancouver and then did maybe a few outdoor shots in New York City. No, apparently, listen, according to IMDb, they shot it all in New York and then they went up to Kingston for all of like the outside of New York stuff. Upstate. Uh, okay. So I was like, oh, hmm. Interesting. And there were some, a few outdoor shots of New York, but anyway, it, it, it gave me hope too for like other adaptations that they can just be done well. Cause I think the issue with adapting romance is romance is so interior constantly. Mm-hmm. And the thing with film and television is it, every emotion, every thought like has to be exterior. Like we have to you can't be in somebody's mind. And so therefore it's like very hard to adapt a small shift of emotions. I think that's the problem that they have with Bridgerton. Um, But this was done really well and was able to show that. I will say, here's my big issue with this movie. All of the side characters with the, with the exception of Lucy's boss, because the whole idea of this is, they are the assistants to two separate bosses who these book companies merged and the two bosses are kind of at each other's throats. One's played by, I can't, I don't know the woman's name, but she, she is not a cartoon character. She actually seems like a real person. His boss, who's played by Corbin Burnson, is a complete total misogynist cartoon and all the other side characters, other than the the guy that 
she dates to make Joshua upset. And even he borders on cartoonish as like kind of a nerd. Everybody else is so way over the top. Like, like there's a few people that work at the office that are just d- belong in the Drew Carey show or, or Big Bang Theory or something like that. Like, that was one thing that bumped me about this movie. I thought the core duo was so strong and played it just enough. Like, they when they were over the top, it wasn't too over the top. All the other goofballs in this movie were a little bit too over the top for me. Yeah, fair. So Sakina Jaffrey is plays uh, Lucy's boss. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, but I think there's like an aspect of just having them be like kind of quirky. I don't know, side characters, comic relief. Yeah, well, that was just my one thing. But I think the central duo of this, I understand why people are rewatching this because the scenes between the two of them are really great and they're in i feel like a better movie than some of these side characters sure well like I, the that, guy who yeah, wears the go lucy shirt or whatever when she's going for the for the job and he pulls up his shirt and i don't know what was going on with that actor that actor was just in a completely different world and a completely different movie i liked it i liked it i feel i think it's i think it's cute you know, they're not in the real world. They're in a different sort of rom-com world where there are different rules. Yeah. And I understand there are goofy, like, I mean, look, one of my favorite rom-coms, Notting Hill. His right. roommate oh, yeah. is Notting completely, Hill is just goofy shit. Is completely out of, uh, out of this world. But that actor is talented. And these actors were, did not have the skill to pull off being a genuinely unique, goofy character. That was my thought. Okay. I mean, I agree that I think had the two main characters not been as good, there was a tip, a way that the movie could have tipped over to be just too silly to care about. But because Austin and, uh, and Lucy are such great actors that it like really grounds the film in reality in a way that like you're able to have so many of these silly characters or... In my opinion, you are. Your opinion is that they should not have so many silly characters. Now, one of my favorite scenes was the when she gets sick after paintball, where they're just wearing expensive clothes. They're just wearing their like winter jackets that they would have paid probably $700 for. And they're just getting shot with paintballs in them, which, of course, OK, listen, I know it's a heightened reality. She comes, he takes her home and he takes care of her when she's sick. I loved that scene. That was one of the, of course, turning points in the book too. And that scene in the book was really great. I think they nailed that scene in the movie too. Because I was like, it made me want to be sick and get taken care of (laughs) by By Joshua. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If I knew he would show up. And his and his handsome brother, who he's not as handsome as 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 uh, Joshua is, but he's still, still a handsome, handsome guy. If yeah. you ran into that guy not seeing Joshua, you'd be like, "This is a pretty handsome dude." Great voice too, real soothing mm-hmm. doctor voice. Yeah, I loved that. I loved their, I because mean, I think I've 
seeing people be like, oh, their apartments are unrealistic. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> I don't want, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the minority, but I'm like, I don't want to necessarily see people live the way that I live. And listen, I have a great apartment that I love, but like their apartments were so cute and so emblematic of where they lived mm-hmm. and, or like their personalities. I loved Lucy's apartment so much. And Austin's was just like exactly the apartment that Josh Templeman would have, which is just like brick and harsh lines in yeah. Cobble Hill. It looked like I was trying to, I, the entire time I was trying to figure out where in the city the action was taking place. And I feel I, like they worked in Brooklyn. They worked in Dumbo. The exterior shot was always that one building in Dumbo. Yeah. Then, with the water tower there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then at one stage, Lucy is coming to or from work. And so she's on a bus that is going up 7th Avenue in Manhattan. So I don't know how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, White it's Horse one of those Tavern. things. That's yeah. just one of those. We can get, we can, we, we, there's availability on this street. So we're going to shoot it here. Exactly. And I was just like, oh, so wait, they're supposed to be on the west side, like where the Penguin building is. And I was like, okay. And yeah. then, yeah, the exterior of Josh is like, that's 100% Cobble Hill. Like, I feel like I walked by that building on the way to on the way to yoga. And then I'm just picturing, and then I was like, I guess Lucy seems like a Borum Hill girl. And so that's mm. where I'm picturing she is. And they walk to work in the morning. Yeah. It seems like a, a very Brooklyn movie. Yeah, it's the it's best case scenario when it comes to office life, the office that they have that like open plan. And it seems like there's a lot of they they get a lot of sunlight. They're not in the middle of Midtown. Here's the thing. I love every time a movie is set in New York because it's the best city in the world, obviously. Oh, me too. But. There was something about this one being set in New York that I was like, I don't, I think it could have been better served in a different city because obviously the book is not take, does not take place in New York. And then there's just weird things of like Josh driving her places within the city where it's like, why is his car there? Like people in New York do not drive, do not have car. Like some people have cars, but you wouldn't use it just to like go to and from work. And part of me was like, I feel like if this was like set in Boston or like a Midwestern city, it might have been better or made more sense than New York. But then here's the thing. Then why would we care about these characters? (laughs) (laughs) If we couldn't immediately pinpoint the neighborhoods that they live in, would we care? I know. Probably not. Probably not. I have a hard time relating to people who don't live in New York City. (laughs) That's mean. no, That's we're me. joking, obviously, guys, because we, we always get emails and messages from people like, I don't like New York City. And it's like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, But anyway, so I felt like that was a bit confusing to me, too, because it was just kind of like, I don't know, have it be set somewhere else where it makes sense what, for him yeah. to have a car and drive. Put, put this to New in, England. set this in Pittsburgh. Give sure. Lucy some poodle bangs. Have <laughs> Joshua be eating a sandwich with french fries and coleslaw on it for lunch just really you know where would they go to get their sandwiches permani brothers (laughs) i don't know why that always kills me so they would do that i mean that's that's the only other place i would want them to set it so if a movie isn't set in one of the two cities that you have lived in 
Well, it could be said in Hawaii. I lived on Oahu, so it could be in Honolulu. I'd be down for that, too. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it would make more sense for also there to be these very small um, book publishers. Because as we know, there's basically just three now. Uh, but that's also like small nip. Like, I feel like all the issues that I have or any criticism that I have in the movie is so incredibly small and insignificant. Like, it is an in- it's an intensely charming movie. It's exactly the kind of movie that I want to watch. Like, Pat was out Saturday night with you, I think. You guys went to yes, see Yes, we were, we were, yeah, we were working. And so I was home alone and I ordered food and I fired this one up and it was just like the best experience. Obviously, had it been in the theater, I would have gone to the theater to watch it. But it was like, these are the kind of rom-coms that I want. And like when I'm trying to find something to watch, it's like, I want to watch a movie like this. Yeah. And, and part of me is kind of glad that it didn't just get dumped on Netflix. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do think that it would have gotten, it would have been top 10, but those movies, t- th- like movies come out on Netflix and then they fall into a black hole because it's just a pile of content. It's just another thing to throw in the slot bucket that is Netflix. I do think that there's something about having to buy it that that I was then like, okay, now I have to watch the whole thing. And I mean, and obviously, like, I knew we were probably going to talk about it, too. But to you sit down, you watch it in one go, you pay attention. And then, like, I watched it so many times because I had the 48-hour rental, so I was watching it. But in a way that I think it was on Netflix, it was like I would have started it and I would have gone and done this thing. And, you know, I think it would have been a different experience. But I think, yeah... Netflix, it feels like things appear and then people talk about them for a day or two and then they're gone. Even these like, even like Bridgerton, even those like, massive series, like they, they feel like a blip. Yeah. And, and that's so true. I think what you said about having to pay for it gives you the sense of I invested in this. I need to invest my time. And like you said, Netflix is, oh, well, it's, it's a... It's something that you pay for, but you don't think about it really. And so it's passive. And so anything you pull up doesn't mean as much. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it's getting a lot. I see a lot of people talking about it, reviewing it. Obviously, a lot of our listeners were very psyched about it. So I do hope that it gets uh, more viewers and people find this film because I do think, like you said, it's a it's a it's a fun movie. It's a movie they don't really make anymore, at least for mass consumption. And there's there's an audience for it. There's an obvious audience for it that is just not being served. I think this is the best. I'll go out there and say this is the best romance adaptation that I've seen in any form, television or film. I think this wow. this hit it in such a good way. It was the spirit of the book. If you love the book, you'll love the movie. Um, not exactly the same, obviously, but like, and it had captured that kind of joy that you get from romance and that sort of watching two people come together. And I think it was so well done, so well acted, well directed, well written. Like, great. I loved it. All right, Aaron. So where can people find us if they want to email us or post about this film? Or anything. Yeah, you can email us any recommendations um, at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group. 
the Learning the Tropes troop, you can come and join us there. Um, and then also we have the Patreon, um, which I think we're going to be reviewing at least one more Christmas movie over on the Patreon. Um, and that is, if you just search Learning the Tropes at, on Patreon.com, you're going to find us. Um, and is there anything Yeah, because right now we have A Castle for Christmas up there. The... Brooke Shields, Carrie Eels uh, movie. Uh-huh. And yeah, we're probably going to do, like you said, at least at least one more. Right. So if you have any recommendations for us, I don't know if we'll get this year, but you know, if there's a romantic movie you want us to watch or a book you want us to review, email us. Like I said, we can't do everything because you guys are great at giving us a ton of recommendations, but they all get added to a list that you know, we, we always go back to. So um, yep. it's always a possibility. And yeah, I think that's, those are all the ways to contact us guys, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks so much for uh, joining us. And I guess happy watching. Happy watching. <laughs>